You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Hello, Eno Saris. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Sorry, the buds didn't work. Where, where, where are you today? I'm on my way to go camping for my birthday. Really? Taking a little time off. I like it. Yep. Going to go find a river and float down it. That's not you taking the family doing the whole deal? Nope. Nope. I'm going without them. Oh, this is this a boy's trip? Yeah. <laughs> do, do we have some field work beer in the back and you're going to float down the river with some field work? 1,000%. <laughs> <laughs> baby. All right. So we'll... Uh, do a little baseball before your birthday. By the way, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And not many times when, when you have kids, you get to have the boys trip for your birthday. So uh, kudos to the wife for allowing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very nice of her. Uh, obviously, we, we've got the Toronto Blue Jays and the Oakland Athletics going after it. I, I mean, when you start to look at the AL East, and you're looking at teams, whether you're talking about the Yankees, you're talking about the Blue Jays, obviously the Red Sox. How do you think they're all looking right now and feeling when they look up? Obviously, it's like Tampa's kind of running away with it. And sticking with Tampa is Baltimore. The rest, the other three, even though even though they want to think they're still in it, they got a long way to go. Are they all just thinking wild card at this point? Yeah, I think, I think you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the good news is it's, probably the best division in baseball i mean their worst team is above 500 and um you know so the good news is they're all good teams they can continue to build and and they're they're in a good spot but yeah i do think that a lot of those guys lower down are thinking wild cards at this point i think the most fascinating one is the red sox because i think there are two games above 500 right now but they're in last place yeah uh you know and because of the extra wild card what we're seeing is there's so many fewer sellers you know, there's and, and so it might end up being a seller's market, um, you know, because teams will say, well, you know, we're a good win streak from being getting back in it. And uh, and so I wonder if a team like the Red Sox and a team like the White Sox, who, you know, they still have percentage points. They can still make the postseason, but they could also benefit a lot by being one of the sellers and maybe, you know, selling something that's not attached to, to next year's team. All right. That he, here's. Right there, when you talk about Red Sox, we're hearing that there is, I don't want to say a, a, a riff, but things aren't things aren't great in Boston with Cora and Bloom. The whole Bloom era in Boston has been mediocre, if not not very good. They're not happy. They, they, they see themselves as they should as a big market powerhouse. He's been running them like they're a middle-class raise. So <laughs> when, when, when I look at Boston, like, if they, 
if you said, you know what, maybe selling some of your pieces is what's best for the future, but if that happens, will Hein Bloom retain his job? You know, I, and I, I think it's the same question in Chicago, but a little bit more dire. You know, in, at least in Boston, at least they're winning some games. They're above 500. And, you know, he's kept their balance sheets cleaned in the, into the future, right? You know, there's not that many long-term deals there. That's what probably angers Cora. But at the same time, you know, Boston's in a better place than the Chicago White Sox. Correct, yeah. And the same, the same leadership has been in Chicago for 10 years now. And so if they do sell, it's going to be, you know, when you do sell, if you sell big, you're saying to your owner, I need another five years. Ooh. You know, we're starting a rebuild. And if you go to Jerry Reinsdorf, who may not have five years left, and you're asked for another five years, he may say, man, I gave you all ten years. You're out, you know. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe the White Sox won't sell, and maybe the, the Boston Red Sox won't sell either because of sort of internal pressure like that. Well, if no one's selling, how are you going to buy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went through it, and, you know, the the most available – uh, a starting pitcher out there is probably, uh, if it's not Lucas Giolito, um, you know, I don't, I, I'm not sure who it is. You know, there's not wow. a real uh, obvious uh, another arm out there. So uh, that's why I was trying to put James Paxton on that list. He's not signed for next year. Maybe the Red Sox sell him. Maybe you, you, you trade Giolito, but Stroman um, maybe. Among- Maybe, but you know the Cubs are are, are still in it. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a terrible division, and they're above five hundred, or at least at five hundred. So, um, you know, I I, I think there's going to be a lot of people. Uh, I think this trade deadline may end up being a dud, and if it is a dud, uh, you know, Bridge Giroli on our on our three O show had the idea to maybe why not extend the deadline two weeks. So that more teams know they're in, they're out, and maybe you create more sellers. Well, yeah, extend it all the way till maybe September and just say, hey, it's the last month you can't make any moves. Well, because at some point you don't want guys to be able to show up out of nowhere and be able to play in the postseason. So how about we no, just – I know, yeah. Like do, August 14 or September 1, a hard, maybe yeah. a hard deadline, no waiver claims, nothing like that, you know. Yeah, because then you're going to have teams by that point go, hey, we gave it all the way to August. It's just not working. Because what happens now is all these GMs and assistant GMs are all talking to each other because you got to send your scouts out to look at other teams, minor league systems, to see what you would want. And then you start you start sending lists to each other. There's a process to this trade, to, tr- to this trading business. So there's a lot that go- a lot of work that goes into it. And if you start trading like in July, like let's say mid-July or even early July, you're telling your fan base, we're done, we're out, we're waving the white flag, and then the owner goes, hey, I'm not going to sell any tickets in late July, August, or September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of different reasons to, to maybe extend the deadline. So I think I'll be really fascinated to see how this deadline goes because I, don't, I just don't have to see that many sellers. And a team like Washington – you know, they just don't have that much to sell. You could get Lane Thomas, decent outfielder, play some center. Um, but their best assets are probably Mackenzie Gore and maybe Josiah Gray. But those were the results of other trades. That's the <laughs> Juan Soto trade. I'm not giving up the guys yeah. that I got for Juan Soto. 
that's how you sold your fan base on yeah. on trading Soto is you got those guys. So yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a difficult one. So uh, I don't know I don't know how teams are gonna improve at the deadline. I think we're gonna hear a lot of oh our injured guy is coming back and that's gonna be a uh, that's gonna be an acquisition from within. <laughs> well, I mean, if you it, let's just say though, if the White Sox aren't sellers, there's not a whole lot out. There's not. I, I know you can get a reliever, a Bard. You can get from the Rockies. I mean, the A's don't have much to sell. I mean, the bad teams are really bad teams, and the bad teams don't have a whole heck of a lot to sell. Yeah, and I think the A's have somewhat of the same problem where you know they made a lot of trades and they don't have a lot to go, go for it. So even if a team came calling and said, we, we like Sears. Well, you know, we traded a lot to get Sears, and we yeah. got him for a lot of years. So I'm not sure that we want to turn around and trade him again. So maybe Blackburn, uh, you know, could, could bring something back. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be a weird deadline for sure. What if I give you May, Aletmus Diaz, Jace Peterson, uh, Drew Rusinski, I'll get Jesus Aguilar back if you want. I'll get all of them. You can have all of them. You can have all of them. What can I get for that? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> Not much. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, the new rules. We keep talking about the new rules and who's capitalizing off the new rules. Obviously, the A's are with Ruiz and stealing bases, but which teams – they see new rules. They say, we like it. We're going to exploit it. We're going to be successful with them. Yeah, I think on the on the base stealing front, I think you're right uh, to point to the A's. I think they're second in the big leagues in stolen bases. Um, and uh, they've, been, they've been taking advantage of those new rules. And they're also, it's hitting them at a time when they're trying to get younger um, and more athletic. They're in that part of their rebuild phase. And that's uh, what's been happening with uh, Baltimore and Arizona. Our, our teams and Pittsburgh, they're, they're, they're also all teams in the top five in stolen bases, all teams that are a little bit further ahead in the rebuild, but also like teams where there are a bunch of young players coming together at the right time. And so those stolen base rules have really, and the shift rules, have really put an emphasis on um, – you know, young players that can play the, 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 the their position defensively, athletic, uh, can run the bases. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, you can't give Pittsburgh and Arizona and all them all the credit. It's sort of like they are rebuilding teams that sort of are in the right time in their rebuild to take advantage of this. But it also gives you a clue of, like, where the sport is headed. I think the, the good stuff about the new rules is, we're seeing a lot more sort of young players playing, a lot more young starters debuting. We're seeing just a lot more. That's the good part of it, I think. Do you see any bad parts of the new rules? Well, uh, Arizona and Baltimore are also at the top of a weird list, pulled ground balls by left-handers. And, you know, I don't know if they're doing that on purpose or the hitting coaches are saying it, but if you take away the shift, you take away the thing that was hurting people when they pulled the ball on the ground. And, um, you know, if you take a, a player and you say, okay, power's out in front of the plate. I want you to be early. I want you to pull these fly balls you know, for power. Uh, what they're going to do is uh, pull, pull on the ground, pull in the air, and strike out. And so you have this other, these other rules that are leading more to striking out, 
pull-heavy approach, and you're seeing Arizona and Baltimore taking advantage of that, uh, but it may not necessarily be as good for the game. Well, the problem is most really good hitters growing up are going to pull the ball. They're not going to go the other way. So really uh-huh. pulling the ball is a more natural thing. At least for power, for sure, yeah. And power is what gets you paid, and power is what you get you drafted, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, but, and the, 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 the other team that's, like, doing things very differently are, like, the Cleveland Guardians, who make more contact than anybody in, in the sport. But they also have the second-worst league offense in the league. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily working out for them. You still have to hit for power along with the contact. That's interesting. You know, I, I, you, you start to look at the rules. It's how, how much do you think we'll see? Because it's still, pre, I guess, we're not even half. The, we're not even halfway there. How much do you think we'll see a dramatic difference by the end of this year? We'll look at the data and you'll say, okay, dramatically different from last year. But then five years from now, when we've had the rules, how much do you think baseball will have changed? Yeah, it is interesting. Do you know that uh, as much as we've turned back the clock on, you know, the shift and, and changed um, what, like, a ground ball to the, the right side looks like, we've only pushed it back five years. <laughs> so, you know, like, we, we, we have sort of gone backwards in time, and some of, that, some of these rules are to, like, make the game a little bit more like it used to be before. Yeah. But that, that before is five and ten years ago, not, like, 20 years ago. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's definitely some long-term trends that have been slowed by these rules, but may continue to go. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think, for example, you talk about, okay, well, we've limited what you can do shift wise. This is year one. We haven't seen many teams take the outfielder from the left side and play him behind, uh, the second base, you know, doing with no outfielder over there. Will we start to see more crazy outfield shifts in the next few years? And will those outfield shifts undo a lot of the, the work that the shift rule changes did? Will the, the, the sort of trend towards capturing every ball in play and using analytics to have the defender always standing at the right place, will that larger trend continue despite the new rules? And I think that is true because if I had a team and I had analytics guys at my disposal, I would say, okay, given these new rules, can you find a way for me to defend everything? You know, like, okay, new rules, fine, but put my defenders in the right place, you know, according to the rules. And so I think maybe five years from now, we may have another, you know, new rule about the shift where they can't do this or they can't do this. So you can't pull the outfielder. That's be one outfielder in each section or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be an ongoing battle. I want to throw a big fish out there that you possibly could land because I was watching it the other night. MLB Network had the showcase game as the Angels and the Dodgers as Dodger fans packed Angel Stadium there in Anaheim and Shohei Otani was pitching. And I'm watching this game and I'm saying to myself, if you lose Shohei Otani to the Dodgers and you get nothing for him, what a loss that's going to be. And what an embarrassment it's going to be. Just losing Shohei Otani is going to be bad. But I was thinking, what would that be like for the Angels if they just said, listen, we know we're not going to be able to sign this guy. He doesn't want to be here. It is what it is. What if they actually just said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to take the PR hit, but we're going to do what's best for our future 
and we're going to shop Shohei Otani now. I don't know what you get for him. I don't know if you're going to get the biggest haul that you think because you know he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. What are your thoughts of at least getting something for Otani before he walks? We were talking earlier about the sort of uh, the, the the politics of the GM and, you know, you got this new GM in there and you've got this owner that's wanted to win forever. You got Trout who wants to, has wanted to win forever and they're in the race, you know. So I think it would be uh, it would be a pretty bad PR hit. It, you're weighing two bad PR hits, right? The the one bad PR hit is giving up on a on a on a on a potential playoff bid in the middle of it when you when you haven't had one, you know. Uh, and the other playoff, the other PR hit is seeing Shohei in LA next year, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, right there and not get anything for him. Uh, I I what we've heard uh, is that mostly. You know, they're not going to shop them. But if they have a, a bad couple of weeks here uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, I think that could change because we're seeing, you know, these trade ideas. There was a trade idea on uh, MLB TV uh, today that included, uh, you know, getting unloading um, Anthony Rendon's contract oh. and uh, and adding somebody it was to the to the Mets. And I don't I don't have it all right here in front of me, but it included like Brett Beatty. Uh, their defense, their third baseman there, um, and a bunch of prospects. I don't know if it included Francisco Alvarez, their hot uh, catcher, but it was like two really good prospects, uh, some younger arms, and also take Anthony Rendon off our hands. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, you put those out and everyone's like, oh, that's crazy from the Mets side. They're like, no, you can't have our young guys and, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, I think it'll take something like that. He's uh, probably the best. He'd be the, pr- the the best player available at the deadline in the last whatever years. I mean, like ever, you know. <laughs> so uh, you know, he can re- he can help you in two places in where everybody wants a starting pitcher, everybody wants a hitter. Wow, I got both. I got player. both. I got b- one yeah. guy. I got both. <laughs> yeah. All righty. You could maybe you could even trade him to the Dodgers if he's going to end up there anyway. They have yes. a lot of young players. You know, get Miguel Vargas and some other pieces, and he gets he goes to L.A. anyway, and uh, L.A. you know tries to sell him on on being a Dodger for the next month. That's I mean that's the San Francisco Giants way. They always like bringing people in, learn the culture. You love it here, then you sign it. It'd be the same thing. Bring him in now well, and, and evaluate and evaluate. They brought Chris Bryant in and decided they didn't want to be a part of that next contract. Yeah, I think it'd be. I mean, at least if I'm going to lose him, no matter what, I might as well get something for him because what's going to, you know, the, if the Angels don't make it to the playoffs, they're not a wild card team, and you just lose them. Wow, that's going to be tough. All righty, my friend. Happy birthday! Enjoy your boys' weekend down the river, and we will talk to you next week. All right, thanks for having me. The great Eno Sarah, you have his closing. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.